you think you're playing football? Do you think you're playing football? Do you think you're playing football? You are showing me nothing. Flyers, Mike Sims, Walker. Near corner. It's caught! Denver! Unbelievable! And welcome to the fourth down fiasco! Hello and welcome to the fourth down fiasco, your go-to podcast for all things football. I'm having a hard time staying awake, Jordan Pryor, and it's only me today. With us crashing headfirst into the offseason, there are no major headlines to discuss, but we are in the midst of our offseason segment, the fan base fiasco, where we give power back to the fans, who are an arguably the most important part of any franchise, and I will die on that hill. If you want to have that discussion, let's talk about it. Come see me. You know where to find me. Um, and as always, we ask that you rate us five stars on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends and follow us on social media we are at fourth down underscore pod on twitter and at fourth down fiasco on tiktok and instagram and if you're listening right now i want you to go on to twitter or x if you're into that kind of thing do it right now tweet at us who you think the worst fan base in the nfl is we want to know and i know you're probably listening to this on your phone so unless you're driving there's no excuse not to say hi um the rundown of today's podcast is going to go like this we have two fan base fiasco interviews starting with broncos fan correspondent jordan edel and then we fly from one of the driest parts of the country to one of the wettest to talk to richie hawkins jr about the miami dolphins um and I do want to add in that with all three of us, Danny Tanner and myself having full-time jobs, um, scheduling these interviews has been for lack of a better term, a pain in the ass. And these two interviews were never intended to be on the same episode. Um, but with cancellations and other things in life, we had the content and we still wanted to put it out there and give y'all two interviews. Um, the discussions are still incredibly relatable. Uh, it's not like you're going to hear something that doesn't make sense. Um, you know, it's not like these were recorded six months ago. They're, they're fresh, they're new. Um, they just weren't intended to be on the same episode. Um, and basically, you're going to find that it feels like two interviews intended to end an episode were put together. So if any of that makes sense to you and you're still here, then hell yeah. And if it doesn't make any sense to you, but you're still here, then hell yeah, it's you too. Um, with that, it's fourth down and goal to go. I think today I'm just going to take the safe bets and kick the field goal. So with that, I'm going to kick it over to Danny and Tanner for some Broncos talk. Welcome back to Fanbase Fiasco. We are joined here today with Jordan Edel representing the Denver Broncos. And I don't know what I'm supposed to say after that, am I? Bro, you didn't make a script? No. Hey, 
tell the truth, how you settle in, your team is veterans, so how you cope with where you sit this season, better spin, better rhetoric, a tale as great as teams have been, I ask the question of you now to see the thoughts you spin, fan base fiasco, don't think that I'm irrational, my team better than your team, and that's just facts bro, we've been examples, don't think this year don't mean much, this legacy you talking about, let me tell you about my team son. Welcome back to Fanbase Fiasco. We are joined here today with Jordan Edel, our Denver Broncos correspondent. So, what do you think about Sean Payton uh, paying players to hurt other players? <laughs> um, allegedly. Um, it, was, it was his defensive coordinator. No. Um, yeah, there, that was before my time. Um, anything pre-Broncos, it's in the past. Good. Anything current Broncos. Good answer, good it. answer. I guess he wasn't on the Broncos at that point, but... Um, in the politics. <laughs> How did you become a Broncos fan? Uh, so I was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. So uh, my dad has season tickets. So we went to games. Um, I got to go to training camps, meet players. Um, and we got to see the end of the, the John Elway and Terrell Davis area or era. I got to see the highlights of the Jake Plummer era. Um, oh. Hey, there were some highlights, yeah. Um, <laughs> some highlights. They were, they were good. There was a potential Super Bowl season um, in there, but um, yeah, just growing up into it um, is, is definitely uh, part of the household. You're raised as a Broncos fan, and I uh, don't really have another option. <laughs> well, at least you've seen more Super Bowls than I have in my life, my lifetime. <laughs> so, um, next question. What do you want to ask? All right, let's go with, so based on last season, what would you grade the season from an A to an F? So I think the expectation coming into this was improvement on last season. They won five games last season. So anything better than that uh, is is nice, um, especially with the train wreck that was kind of the end of last season. Um, but so I think setting the bar was improvement. The hope was the playoffs. I think the playoffs would have been a B, depending on if you're a contender's not an A. Mm -hmm. But I would say around a C. Um, and then there was definitely this, the start of it, if you're including that, was rough. Yeah. But I think they gained steam. They had a bunch of wins in a row. Um, I think you can say C plus for how they ended the season. Um, there's a lot of hope for what they can look like in the future. And there's a lot of promise for like the management, which we haven't had in a while. Uh, there's John Elway was the GM, and as much as I like John Elway, um, there's arguments that he was not a very good uh, <laughs> personnel yeah, uh, they're, they've now done 13 quarterbacks in the post Peyton Manning era. Um, looking like we're going to a number 14 here. Um, so having George Payton come over from the Vikings, having a GM that really looks like he knows, he's good at scouting, mm -hmm. he's good at uh, player personnel, and then Sean Payton who can come in and someone that can really take over the whole organization. Because yeah. um, when you have little bits and pieces of like some people managing it, some people doing their wanting to do different stuff and nobody really in control. It really does seem like it's Sean Payton's team to run mm -hmm. and everybody else is around him doing their parts. So I think it's gonna be more cohesive. And so next season we're looking, uh, hopefully some more improvement. I'd be disappointed if it wasn't playoffs next season. So yes. C plus passing, hopefully we'll yeah. see where it goes. I, I I thought you guys were gonna make a run with it with your big win streak in the middle of the year, but it just, that whole weird controversy at the end of the season with Russell Wilson and all that, but to make the playoffs next year, what do you want to see your team do in the draft, in the free agency? What do you need? What do they need to do to take that next step? So the quarterback is definitely the biggest question, and then the second would be the cap space. There's going to be some big players that are going to have to be moved on from. Um, 
we saw like looking at the changes that happened between the one and five section of the season to going on that big win streak is definitely defensive. Mm -hmm. um, so it sounds like Vance Joseph will be back. Um, so having a coordinator there for two years in a row is going to be huge. Um, we'll see. The Justin Simmons was hurt during the start of the year, and as soon as he got back, there were a lot of other changes. But having it's kind of like the uh, I don't know if you guys remember Bob Sanders for the Colts, just an insane player. Um, Maybe Justin Simmons isn't a defensive player of the year, but he's one of those people that the whole defense goes around him. Mm -hmm. So he's a free agent. He's on the list where if we cut him, it's saving 16 million or 14 million, something like that. That's a lot of money, but um, so bring him back. And then we need to fill out some of the roster spots with young talent, um, not necessarily free agents. Um, we will bring some in, but we had some interesting, uh, like Frank Clark and uh, Randy Gregory, we bought them in and both of them are gone week three of the <laughs> yeah. season. Just absolutely messy. So if we can get some young guys with potential to go in. Um, so I think if we, what would really look like success, um, so we're bringing a bunch of young guys to fill those spots. Mm -hmm. And then um, some sort of answer at quarterback from everything I've seen, from the media, from Sean Payton and everybody, it doesn't look like the Russell Wilson situation is gonna work. It doesn't seem like he fits in Sean Payton's system. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a, a super big play-by-play -play quarterback or like offensive, I can tell what's going on, but um, from people, I think it was Phil Sims talked about how he looked at the offense and there's really only about nine plays that the Broncos ran. Really? And because that's all they could trust Russell Wilson. <laughs> he couldn't throw the middle of the field. He couldn't do those short passes. And so there's a lot of arguments that were very visible um, with Sean Payton yelling at Russell Wilson on the sideline yeah. and stuff. Um, there's definitely some disagreements. And I think Russell Wilson probably can't run the offense Sean Payton wants to run. So we mm. want to see a quarterback. I don't know if it's going to be Jared Stidham. Uh, Sean Payton went out the first day of free agency last year and picked up Jared Stidham. Um, he's a big fan of them. He, last year, he showed some promise for the Raiders. He did not for the Broncos in his couple <laughs> starts. So uh, that's a little bit of a bummer, but I, some answer at quarterback, I think Stidham will be the starter going forward and then hopefully someone young to fill in there. I think Stidham, if he can make those plays and like throw to the middle of the field, um, the Broncos will be good enough with a good defense behind them to make the playoffs. Do you um, think you can see him in Denver for the foreseeable future? Russell or, Wilson? No, Stidham. Stidham. Do you want Stidham to be there for a couple years, or do you want to draft a guy this year and develop him instead of Stidham? I think he will be there one year in the Broncos. I don't think they bring him back. I think he's a stopgap quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, so whether it's a young guy, I think it'll be a, a day two pick, so not first or second round really for quarterback. I think it'd be more looking like a third round depending just on uh the, well the broncos don't have a second round pick so i'm just from the inclinations from what's going on um and the rumors and stuff george payton is very famous for collecting draft picks mm -hmm. wanting to stay draft um or like trade picks back mm -hmm. uh, i was looking at the trade analyzer and it looks like the broncos 12th overall pick would be worth a high second, a low second, and maybe a third or a fourth mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. for somebody to trade all the way up, especially those teams that are playoff teams that are maybe one good position away. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely a possibility going back um, and picking out uh, 
another quarterback, but I don't think any of the quarterbacks outside of the top 10 are worthy of starting year one. So it's definitely developmental. I don't know, everybody wants a Jordan Love right now, yeah. I think. Yeah, right. As crazy it is to say this year. Um, so kind of piggybacking off of that, just with drafting a quarterback, talking about, okay, 12 is not a great spot for that. What do you want to see out of the draft picks this year? Like what positions do you want to see addressed? What are you What are you thinking at 12 right now if the Broncos decide to stay? So I think at 12, there's a lot of big needs for like interior linemen, defensive and offensive. There's not some huge high draft picks that are projected to go early on. So we'd be looking at more second round picks. So of those people that would be picked that high and not a reach, um, it sounds like Brock Bowers would be a huge one. Um, everybody wants a big tight end. You've got Mark Andrews, you've got Sam Laporta, you've got Travis Kelsey. Um, you've got George Kittle. Having a tight end is an extra factor in offense. Mm -hmm. um, Broncos haven't had an answer. They drafted George Dulcich last year. He's been hurt the whole time, so maybe there's potential. Um, but even it was crazy. They, the Broncos would one that run the same plays, and we've got like Adam Troutman and uh, Chris Manhurts, who are blockers, and they just they don't have an X factor. Having a tight end that's able to run that um, would be huge. So Brock Bowers, if he falls that far. Um, uh, some of the defensive linemen are good. Um, I think it sounds like Sean Payton likes collecting wide receivers. It sounds like he was looking. Uh, they did some interview, interviews for Super Bowl week, and he mentioned specifically looking at wide receiver tight end for the receiving end, finding someone that can stretch the field. Mm -hmm. So if one of those big wide receivers drops, then that could be it. Um, but other than that, from what I've gauged, it looks like they want to move back and collect more picks. They have, they're over the salary, salary cap. How you navigate that is get a lot of young guys on your team. Mm. Um, and there's so many roster holes. They traded for Sean Payton, a first <laughs> round pick and third round pick. They traded for Russell Wilson, first, second. And um, I can't remember the other picks, but they have not had very many high picks. They had Patrick Sertan, and that's the only one yeah. in the last few years was that's it, been a high pick. Was it two first round picks or three first round picks for Russ? I think it was three. Was it three? Is, or maybe two first and a second. But I know we talked a little earlier. I'm not a huge fan of trading for coaches in general. Like, I don't think you should go trade player assets for a coaching asset. Like, there's plenty of coaches out there, especially... I know you guys try to get Harbaugh, but you brought something up that every team that has traded for a quarterback has gone on... Or, for a coach, has gone on to win a Super Bowl. Do you think the Sean Payton project will go on long enough for you guys to be a Super Bowl contender team? I think the expectation is uh, within two years a contender. I think next year they're hoping to either the Russell Wilson situation, it's two years on the cap and I think it's hard to build a team. Uh, when you have 30 something, 40 million uh, next year, so this year is 37, next year is 40 nine million dollars of your team away so it's hard to believe that they nobody wants to say rebuild but that's definitely in a sense is mm -hmm. you need to have a foundation here um i think that the main thing is we tried some new coaches we mm -hmm. tried vance joseph had him for a couple years and that was not great we had vic fangio for three years and he's a good defensive coordinator he's not a good head coach we had nathaniel hackett um and I think everybody's still finding out how bad of a decision that was. <laughs> yeah. So they wanted someone that could come in and run everything for them. Mm -hmm. And I think 
it's hard to find someone that does that. Sean Payton has the resume yeah. where if you just wanted the answer and know you got someone that could do that, Sean Payton's the only one that they were willing to go and get um, that fit that criteria. Yeah, that'll, that'll make sense. Yeah, especially last year. This year, the coaching decisions or coaching availability is a lot more crazy. Seriously. Um, we'll see if Bill Belichick is even on a team. Mike Vrabel is even on a team. Yeah, it'll be crazy. The, the, I did not expect the coaching hires to go this way this year. I didn't expect Belichick to be left out, especially with Vrabel. Vrabel is such a good defensive-minded coach, and for him to just be left out of every coaching opportunity right now is is beyond me. I can see Belichick. He's getting up there. His play coaching style and the way he runs his teams are a little outdated, but still, he's one of the best coaches of all time. For him to not even be an assistant head coach in a special position, it's 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 weird. Yeah. Um so so we talked about draft. What about free agents? Who do you want to bring onto your team? So the George Payton, Sean Payton have been very vocal, they're not gonna be day one. Uh, active day one. Mm-hmm. None of those big name free agents. Last year, we so there was only one team that signed more than one player for over $47 million, and That was the Broncos, and they signed three players. They got a right <laughs> tackle, Mike McGlinchey, left guard, Ben Powers, and a defensive end, defensive tackle in um, Allen. Um, so what we're looking at and what they've talked about is they just need a, some veterans to fill those, spot, fill those spots. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of young talent, um, especially like on the defensive side. There's a lot of young talent and a lot of the free agents that are set to go. So there's is it uh, 14 unrestricted free agents, of which four are starters currently. Um, and then you have a bunch of big names. There's $24 million in cap space that they need to make up. So Garrett Bowles is going to make the second most on the team outside of Russell Wilson at $20 million. They can extend him, move some of that cap space yeah. around. Sean Payton was pretty famous for the Saints. Um, there's been, I've heard discussions on if the salary cap is real. Yeah. Because you can move stuff around. A lot of teams are getting way very way. creative. Um, mm-hmm. I will say Cincinnati is not a very creative team. We are very <laughs> by the book. You sign them, and that's about it. We don't do what the Rams do and kind of make up money and push it 10 years down the road. Uh, what, do you know what your GM does while with signing bonuses and stuff like that? Does he push it? Does he just go by the book? Or he, it's hard to say because he's only been a GM for twenty-one years. Or still, <laughs> oh, 20 only twenty-one years since, yeah. since the 20, <laughs> twenty-one season. Sorry, um, he's some of his biggest blunders were uh, signing people early. The the day he signed Russell Wilson, yeah, he extended yeah. the contract. Yeah. So he's pretty famous, and it's very opposite of what John Elway was. We're mm-hmm. waiting until like right before mm-hmm. they were free agents, they're signing them. So paying them early and often um, is kind of his thing. Um, Sean Payton is more famous for going out and getting big free agents, specifically offensive line. Um, so the the big question here is our center, who last year everybody was kind of wanting to move on. He hadn't mm-hmm. shown any promise. This year, he outplayed his contract, anything we can give him. So uh, center is the big hole in the middle. It's a very important position. Um, and then the other interesting situation is wide receiver. We've got Cortland Sutton, who's yeah. going to be making $16 million. Tim Patrick, who's going to be working or making double digits as well. <laughs> Jerry Judy is going to be working thir- or making $13 million. That's um, Jerry Judy is completely guaranteed, so you can't do much there. One of Cortland Sutton or Tim Patrick will probably be gone. Tim Patrick's been hurt for two years. 
it's a bummer. Yeah. He's been a leader on the team, but you just can't fit everybody in there. So That's a lot of money on the wide receiver. That is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the production. Yeah. Um, yeah. Broncos haven't had a thousand yard receiver in a little while. Quite yeah. a bit. So kind of piggybacking off that as well, you talked about the wide receiver need or the wide receiver depth that you're about to lose with Tim Patrick, how you need another center on the roster. What do you feel like is the biggest weakness positionally on the Broncos right now? Whether that be your coach, your quarterback, offensive line, where do you think they need the biggest upgrade at? So quarterback is the biggest need, the biggest, although Russell Wilson played pretty well, so you could argue that it wasn't the biggest weakness. The biggest weakness last year was probably defensive line. Mm-hmm. We brought in the guy that, uh, Allen, who made 40-something million. We brought, we had Randy Gregory, Frank Clark, and they weren't up to it. They cut him week yeah. four or five. They had a bunch of rookies in there, second-year players, and uh, Miami ran for 350 yards, yeah. passed for 300 yards. Yeah. Just absolutely insane numbers up until then. There were a lot of changes after that with bringing the new guys in, getting rid of the veterans made some differences, but um, it's gonna be that defensive line for stopping the run and then also defensive backs. We had a lot of injuries last year, so it's hard to say mm-hmm. uh, how those new pieces are gonna fit, but uh, you you can't have any success in this league, especially in division with uh, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. <laughs> no. If you don't have a good secondary. So those are the two biggest needs. And George Payton's been famous for having too many cornerbacks when he was back on the Vikings. Big cornerback fan. So that's another thing is I would expect a couple free agents to come in for cornerback. And kind of with the draft, I would expect them to fill out cornerback as well, especially yeah. in the later rounds. So kind of going the opposite of the spectrum there, looking at what you need the most, what would you be the most upset if they upgraded? Like, what do you think the Broncos are most solid at right now positionally? I would be disappointed if they get an offensive line early outside of center. It, it seems like they can wait later. Um, to And they, they have uh, Forsyth, who was an Oregon center for a couple of years. He was a rookie last year. Um, he won practice squad player of the week a few times, as hey, much as that means. An award is an award, right? <laughs> but outside of that, it sounds like they expect him to be a starter. Uh, George Payton went out and said they view him as a starter. Mm. So I would be disappointed getting a big offensive line and whether it's in draft or free agency because there's already people there there somebody would be sitting that's a lot of money a lot of uh, there can be needs other places um and so that's the only place i would be really disappointed but outside of that there's so much room for improvement with this team um yeah there's very few places i would be upset about the broncos picking there are like you just said there are a lot of holes that you need filled but so we talked a lot about the future. Let's look back on last season. What was your favorite moment that happened in this season so far, or this past season? So I don't know if the rest of the NFL was aware, but the Broncos had not beat the Chiefs in 16 games, <laughs> eight years without beating the Chiefs. So having our prime rival, um, that was definitely the biggest moment of the season. That was probably the biggest moment of the last five years, beating the Chiefs. Um, as bad as the Broncos have been, they've normally been competitive and there's normally like a last minute mm-hmm. interception or a fumble or something and it's a close game. So finally beating the Chiefs was definitely the biggest moment and uh, probably the most celebrated moment in the last five years for the Broncos franchise. Eight years is a long time not to be a single team, especially when you play them two times a year. I mean, that's probably what the Browns were looking at for a little bit there against some of the division rivals, yeah, right? probably against Big Ben or even Joe Flacco. They probably had a lot of very close streaks to that. Um, 
But so let's flip the page. Go worst moment of last uh, season. Yeah, that's uh, pretty easy. Uh, the Dolphins game. Um, <laughs> one of the worst performances in NFL history. That was pretty Thankfully, bad. Mike McDaniel kneeled the ball at the end there. Could have kicked a field goal or something and gotten the record for the most points. Uh, uh, yeah, that was probably the lowest point that I remember as a fan, yeah. uh, especially with like hoping for the improvements mm -hmm. this season to have everything turn into that. Um, I'm credit to Sean Payton for not firing and getting rid of so many people. Um, and somehow they turned it around for being that low. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was a rough time to be a fan. Yeah. Sure. I, it was really impressive watching the team get 70 piece. <laughs> And then oh, yeah. still have eight wins. Like <laughs> they were still competitive, and they looked good against some teams. But that's kind of when they went on their run. Is yeah, after that after game, it. like they just got so demoralized and just utterly destroyed. And they're like, "We had nothing else to lose. Let's just go on an eight game win streak. Let's just try our best." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, and when you watch the game, it was crazy because it's not one weakness. It's mm. Everybody was making mistakes. Yeah. All the veterans, you got cornerbacks missing, safeties, mm -hmm. linebackers in the wrong holes, defensive linemen just being pushed completely aside. Yeah. That's about as close as you can get to total team collapse. Um, yeah. and, it, was, and, it was all three aspects of football, special teams, offense, defense, just everything. Yeah. But I, I, I will say I wish they would have pulled a Jameis Winston and would have kicked that field goal. I would have liked to have seen a record broken, but it is what it is. No, I'm, I'm glad they didn't. Uh, I don't know. You don't want to get to your team. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know Mike McDaniel was a Denver guy growing up. The, yes. Uh, so yeah. I think there's boy. a little bit of nostalgia in there where he's like, he's not against my hometown team. I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. He's good for him. Yeah. If it were against my hometown team, you better believe we're kicking yeah. the we, we do have Jordan here. He's just behind the camera. Yeah. So he was like, at least. Hello, friends. Yeah. He, he just made a comment. He's like, if it was my hometown team, I'm kicking the field goal. <laughs> oh, yeah. If I'm a coach and I'm playing against the Steelers, I'm I'm trying to go 90 I'm, on them. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm setting <laughs> records against my hometown team. <sighs> but what else do we have? So we got success on the upcoming season. We already kind of talked about this yeah. a little bit. You're kind of expecting um, a playoff berth, kind of being in that conversation. Is there anything else that you could see? that you would want success out of the Broncos next season? Or is it mostly just being in the conversation for playoffs? Do you again? think you can challenge the AFC West title from Kansas City? You got close this year, then you kind of collapsed. But what about next year? I don't think people realize how close the, the Raiders or the Broncos were to beating them. There is, I mean, if the Raiders or the Broncos won a couple more games, especially down the stretch against some very beatable teams like the Patriots and stuff, they would have replaced the Chiefs as first in the division and would have been in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. This was definitely the most vulnerable that the Chiefs have been. Um, so it's a pain not to see them capitalize. But yeah, I think the potential of the Raiders or we'll see how the Chargers do. Um, yeah. They scare me now that they have an actual coach. Yeah, um, They have a lot of talented on, talent on the roster. They've always underperformed what we expect the roster to do. Yeah, So it'll definitely be a challenge, um, but I think it's definitely a possibility. I would probably predict that the Chiefs are not first in the West next year based on how things have been going. But I think the other big uh, thing we're looking for this season is the Raiders now also have a streak where it's been years since the Broncos have beat them. Yes, so yeah. the biggest success is playoffs and then winning in the division. Yeah. If they could have yeah. a winning record, again, not against the Chargers because uh, somehow they, they're they very beatable but yeah. the Raiders and the Chiefs we need to be at least 500 or above playing those yeah, four yeah, games yeah I feel you in division games Cincinnati this year went 0-6 in our division 
We built a team to compete with the top teams in the NFL, but just not within our division. And so. it's also brutal that your division rival in the most vulnerable year they look have a Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Somehow, yeah. Not ideal. Their down year is a Super Bowl berth, which is unfathomable for most teams. Yeah. But so we have a couple questions left in there. Mostly opinion. Well, these are all opinion based, but now these are your specific opinions. As not all the other questions were, I guess. I don't know. But who was your favorite player to watch throughout your lifetime? In my lifetime, this is a very much love hate relationship. <laughs> but I would say there's something magic about Tim Tebow <laughs> that will not be replicated. There's something about watching absolutely the worst football for three quarters and just knowing that there's going to be a win at the end. I can, I can, I can leave now. <laughs> I, yeah, anybody outside of those, that magic, won't understand. But outside of that, uh, Peyton Manning coming in. Uh, he was my probably one of my favorite players. My brother's a Colts fan. Um, so seeing him growing up, I was a big uh, Peyton fan. And seeing him, somehow the Broncos got him and scoring 50-something touchdowns in 2013. They were good in 2012. And, and a even, Super Bowl. And, yeah, Super Bowl, going to two Super Bowls. Yeah. Um, he's my favorite player, but I do have to give a shout-out to Tim Tebow. How great was it <laughs> during that playoff game? Tim Tebow, overtime, one play, 75 yards, right down the field, touchdown against Tanner's Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, like, how, how yeah. good was that feeling? I think it was a divine moment from God right there. <laughs> Sorry, Tanner. I think Peyton Manning's a better answer. I think, I think watching Peyton Manning's a lot cooler than watching Tim Tebow. God damn it. <laughs> you can ask salt there. You can ask any question you want next. Go ahead. It's a free reign for you now. I'm just saying, like, Tim Tebow? All right, whatever. So, let's look past that when there wasn't scarred memories for me. It, players before you were born, players that you didn't really get to watch, who is somebody that you wish you could have watched live? So Terrell Davis got injured right when I started remembering football. Mm. I have a pretty clear memory of the Raiders losing the Super Bowl in 2002, um, just because they're a rival. But I don't remember much football until the Jake Plummer years. Um, I grew up hearing about Terrell Davis, and he had such a short career. Um, he's the one player I wish I would have seen growing up, yeah. um, for sure. Yeah. And I kind of want to piggyback on just talking about the Jake, Jake Plummer years. What was the worst quarterback that you think you've seen with the Broncos because you got a couple of contenders. I mean, you got Paxton Lynch, you got Mark Rippon. That was his name, right? Mark Rippon? Brett Rippon. Brett Rippon. Mark Rippon yeah. was the this commander's guy. Yeah. yeah. Or Redskins guy, I guess, back then. And then you also had, um, what you we had, had Brock Pax? Osweiler. You had Brock Osweiler. Years. You had Kyle Orton. Mm -hmm. Who would you say has been the hardest? Tim Tebow as well, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> Tim Tebow won a playoff game. For, for a quarterback standard, Tim Tebow was absolutely the worst quarterback Wow. The yeah. games he won, he was not run, winning as a quarterback. He was a, a running back and maybe threw a couple. I don't know. He had some insane accuracy. You could say he's a little Lamar Jackson-esque, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Not very quarterback? <laughs> not very quarterback. <laughs> no. Uh, I think Kyle Orton's a good shout. Um, Kyle Orton. Trevor Simeon had some magic. Oh, yeah. Brock Osweiler did his job. We don't win the Super Bowl without Brock Osweiler. Mm -hmm. Paxton Lynch didn't see the field enough to no. really say he's a bad quarterback. Um, well, to say he hurt the team as much as some mm -hmm. of the other quarterbacks have. Yeah. Um, but I would say, yeah, Kyle Orton, especially when he came after Jay Cutler, we had all this promise. He was the Mike McDaniel, or uh, not Mike, Mike McDaniel, uh, Josh McDaniels. 
era. Oh, so uh, that whole era wow, was just full of mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> and Kyle Warren's in that. So God Kyle Warren's also hard to look at. So that's <laughs> <laughs> true. That yeah. is true. Yeah. All right, Dan, you want to wrap us up with the final? Yeah, very last question is what is what is the general consensus within the Broncos fan base about their feeling about Russell Wilson? Yeah, so I think it was pretty visible through the season. Um, there were definitely some disagreements, if putting it lightly, between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. Um, yeah, they seemed pretty one-sided, and Sean Payton was yelling at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson did not seem happy with the situation. Uh, just being who he was, he wasn't fighting back. But it was not once, it was not twice, it was quite a few times. Mm -hmm. um, and like I mentioned earlier, the playbook was limited with what Russell Wilson can do. Um, and the offense that they ran, uh, Sean Payton has typically and historically liked short via Drew Brees, two, three second plays. Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson bailing out and taking seven seconds, even though <laughs> yeah. some of them worked. Uh, it's pretty clear it's it's not Russell Wilson or Russell Wilson is not Sean Payton's type of quarterback. Yeah. So with Sean Payton staying here for the foreseeable future, I can't see Russell Wilson returning. I put some percentages on what I guessed. I think it's about 55% chance that they cut him. I think it's about a 30% chance that they or a 25% chance that they would trade him if Ooh. someone. I think who's going to eat that salary cap? Ooh. So. <laughs> Looking into it, you can kind of adjust who eats the cap, mm -hmm. but versus cutting him. So as a Steelers fan, if we pay for Russell Wilson for a couple years, would you get Russell Wilson for free and use him? Do you think he'd be an upgrade or would you rather? No, I think Mason Rudolph can do it. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's like extremely insulting, but I think yeah. Mason Rudolph can probably perform to the same level as uh, Russell Wilson. A Super Bowl winner compared to Mason Rudolph. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just the cap situation you get in alone, like. But if he eats the cap, like, yeah. you're basically getting for <sighs> Mason Rudolph money, you get Russell Wilson. Would you do it? Yeah, probably. It's try it, it out. I might as well. Like nothing's working at the quarterback yeah. position right now, so like, screw it. <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's like, if yeah. they took some of the cap and they were eating the cap, I would, I would yeah. despise it. Yeah, I would think it would be a terrible move. Yeah, it's it's rough to trade him. I think he's kind of been exposed in what mm -hmm. he can do. You're paying for uh, definitely his past body of work. Um, yeah. Is he is he better than Desmond Ritter? I think that's a pretty big upgrade. So if we, again, the Broncos would have to eat the majority of almost all the cap. I don't think anyone would pay a significant amount for Russell no. Wilson. Um, you guys kind of it could be interesting in Atlanta, team. though. I mean, it, at least he can scrabble. You know, it's better yeah. than he, he Ritter does. He won't fumble as much as Ritter. Yeah, That's he true. won't throw as many picks. He won't fumble. He'll reduce the turnovers. He plays safer at football. And in the, mm -hmm. in the NFC South, like, the the Falcons were there at the end of the year. If they didn't have seven turnovers a game, they probably won that division over probably Tampa Bay. Yeah. So if you're not really, or if you're not trading him, if you're not releasing him, you can restructure. I don't know why anyone would want to restructure. <laughs> he earned that thirty seven million dollars of extra money. Why would he say no? Yeah. Um, so I think he's probably released. Yeah. Uh, March seventeenth is the date. Mm -hmm. Um, Sean Payton in an interview talked about how that's one of the main subjects. He expects it to happen sooner than that. Yeah. So probably by the time people see this interview, yeah. they'll have a good idea of what's going to happen with the Broncos quarterback situation. We are recording this a little early. So his guess about free agency, the draft, releasing will all be is just a guess. So we'll see if he's right or not.
but you better be right because you're gonna look like a genius. Yeah, you have to be like Tanner, predict seven games in a row, about to be eight. So that dates this time, this interview. Um, <laughs> but <Fuck it> off. <laughs> my bad. My bad. I still did. I broke the fourth wall. But no, that is all the questions we have today. I want to thank you for coming on and joining us, um, being the Denver Broncos correspondent. Do you have any final words to say at the end of this interview? I'm looking forward to the elf season. I'm looking forward to some more, more football. All right. Do you have an elf team yet? I do. I will be uh, cheering for Coach Schmuck. Coach Schmuck. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, he is the. Oh. <laughs> is it <laughs> Belgium <laughs> Thunder? Berlin Thunder. Berlin Thunder. Yes. Oh, so we do have a Thunder fan. Oh, the Berlin Thunder. That's so the Berlin Wall like, lives, lives on. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to know because Danny and I are not going to know. <laughs> I was I heard the name, don't know the team, but now I do. All right. The only thing is I have to be able to watch it somehow. So if it's on TV, I'll watch it. Uh, I'm a big soccer fan. It's impossible to watch some soccer teams. Yeah. So that's that's the only thing that would stop me. I'm hoping there's some sort of television rights in there. We'll try to do watch parties. Yeah, we'll do. There's there is ways. Um, I'm assuming illegal streams as well, but sh- no one has to know about that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't hear that. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is all we have for today. So uh, thank you again. Woo! Good job, everyone. You're the proud owner of a business, and you've got it all. The hustle, the bustle, and the occasional office-kitchen mishap that turns into an alarm-triggering emergency. Oh! But fear not. Western States Fire Protection is here to turn your workplace into a disaster-free zone. Our in-house team handles everything from fire sprinklers to alarms, monitoring, inspections, extinguishers, and more. Visit WSFP.com to request a quote. Because when your microwave thinks it's a flamethrower, we're the heroes you need. This podcast is sponsored by Hair Club. Fellas, are you losing your hair? Hairline receding, maybe? In the past, we as men had limited options. We could either rock the grandpa hairline, shave it, or resort to a very obvious looking toupee. Well, the good news is there's an option for you now. Hair Club is a hair restoration and hair replacement service with offices spanning across the United States. Hair Club is different from other hair restoration places because they use cutting-edge technology like TricoView hair and scalp analysis, utilizing micromagnification to examine hair and scalp health. This provides better diagnostics of your hair and determines solutions to stop your personal hair loss. Solutions range from EXT extreme hair therapy to keep and regrow your existing hair by reactivating follicles and adding volume, X-Strands hair systems that is color and texture matched to perfection to blend with the rest of your hair, or even hair transplant solutions for those who are further along in their hair loss. I personally use the X-Strand system and have never turned back. My wife thinks I'm as sexy as ever and my confidence is at an all-time high, but I'm just a podcaster, right? Well, Hair Club has become such a renowned name that even dudes like two-time NASCAR champion Joey Logano and primetime Emmy nominee Frankie Muniz both utilize Hair Club services. And if you ultimately decide on a service, be sure to use the code FOURTH, that's F-O-U-R-T-H, for 10% off everything you purchase. There's no better time to get your hair back than now. So fellas, boost your confidence, get that look you want, go to hairclub.com today. Are you looking for a podcast to advertise your business? Well, you're in luck. Here at the Fork Down Fiasco, we're looking for show sponsors. Whether you want to be a platinum sponsor and be mentioned at the beginning and end of every episode, or you just want a simple 30 or 60 second ad, we got you covered. 
If you're interested in having a spot on our show, you can reach us at fourthdownfiasco at gmail.com. That's fourthdownfiasco at gmail.com. We are excited to hear from you and even more excited to have you on the show. Join the Fiasco family now. All right, welcome back. You are still listening to our off-season segment, The Fan Base Fiasco. We are here giving power back to the fans because we all know fans are the most important part of every franchise anyways. And with me is a man whose Instagram bio says he is young and full of dreams, which is hard to come by in this desolate world we live in. Folks, we're excited to bring on the uh, Dan Marino Dolphin dude, Richie Hawkins Jr. And honestly, Richie, if I'm being honest, you sound like you should own the team instead of just being the fan of the team. Say hello to the people for me. Hello, guys. All right, all right. So, again, as everybody knows, on this, we always ask the hard-hitting questions, and we need to know. Here's the thing. I heard that there was a missing persons report put out for Tua. Did they ever find him? I'm I'm genuinely concerned. Not in the playoffs, no. Uh, yeah, so he's still missing. Dang. Still, still missing. Unfortunate. Uh, hopefully he returns in time for fantasy this upcoming season because, uh, you know, I need those points. I need those points. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Well, so, Richie, how about you tell us a little bit about how you became a fan of the Miami Dolphins, especially because I know you as a Dallas Mavericks fan. And so I am curious as to how that became a thing. Yeah, sure. No problem. So um, I, I, pretty much my dad um, when I was nine years old. So I was like. 23 years ago, um, my dad took me to my first Dolphins game um, back at when I was living with him. So that's as soon as I went to that game, I soon became a fan and been a fan ever since. Nice. See, I, I love it whenever it's like, oh, my parent passed it down to me because that's how it is for me. Uh, I'm sure you probably heard Jess's interview. I mean, her mom passed it down to her. So I, I, yeah. I love that kind of connection. It's, it's always it's always that trickle effect with your parents. It's like, oh, you, sure. If, if you're a fan of a certain team and you really like that same team, your parents bring you in, boom, there you go. Yeah. For me, I kind of regret that my parents are Cowboys fans. I'm like, damn, I'm stuck. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, so then you said you said you were nine years old uh, mm -hmm. whenever he took you to your first game. Uh, mm -hmm. So I guess who was your favorite player to watch, especially like in your like childhood years? Um, I did get the chance to see Dan Marino play, but I was really late past his prime. So I was lucky to see that for the first time. So I would say Dan Marino. Cool. 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 I bet that that was a spectacle, man. He, yeah, that dude can sling. So kind of transitioning now, uh, into the actual season that the Miami Dolphins had, how would you grade this past season A through F like you were a teacher? So I would grade my team a C due okay. to the fact due to the fact that yes, um we had the number one offense, but the reason why I say C is because we still cannot get over that hump with getting a first playoff win. And also because it's been I would say over 24 years since we won our last playoff game. And I you saw what Detroit did. Detroit pretty much broke their record from not even making the playoffs or winning the NFC North to actually doing both and winning the playoff game multiple times in one season. So now we're in the driver's seat of trying to get our first playoff win. So I would say a C due to the fact of not getting a playoff win and also not winning the big games 
during the regular season as well because the only big game we actually won was against y'all the cowboys i remember I yeah remember. <laughs> during the christmas eve game but then every other game against the chiefs twice we lost baltimore we lost buffalo we lost twice the last game of the season was for the afc east division we lost that game um so i would say a c i'll grade my team a c Oh, yeah. right, no, I, I, th- I think that that's a very fair uh, way to do it. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of feel that same with my team of it gets frustrating knowing that, hey, you're going to have the, the regular season success that you're going to have. Um, you know, I remember especially about halfway through the season. I mean, it looked like y'all were true title contenders at one point during the season. And uh, but so you did want to you did mention something that I do want to dive in a little deeper. What do you think is the reason for Miami's woes with teams that are over 500? Because I I do think that that is a really weird stat that besides us, you all couldn't really beat anyone that was over 500. And it's one of those things where the talent's there. There's no reason why at least one other time you shouldn't, you know, just law of averages win a game. So what, what do you think that that is? So from, from what I read on Twitter, Dolphins Twitter, saying that they're blaming injuries, which I completely disagree with, because we had a bunch of injuries and yet we still finished top five in offense. So I think the main reason why we couldn't get over the hump over playoff teams in, in the playoffs is because mainly on offense due to the fact of Mike McDaniel and Tua up, up to the top and then the offense as a whole. Because the reason why I say Mike McDaniel is because his play caller has been very awful. Um, he's afraid to continue with the run because when we do have the run game going, he abandons it at the wrong times and then he forced Tua to throw the ball 35, 40 times when he necessarily don't even have to. And then the reason why I say Tua as well is because he do make some stupid decisions with the football as far as throwing costly interceptions, fumbling the ball and forcing it just to Tyreek sometimes too, which I think you need to um, throw the ball to other players too. He does, but it just seems like he was more specifically trying to force the ball to Tyreek to get to his 2K receiving yards. So I think mainly the reason why is mainly on offense because I think our defense kept us in pretty much every game that we lost against the playoff team. It's, I would say pretty much except the Ravens. But every other playoff team we played against, it was mainly because our offense couldn't produce because the last game of the season against Buffalo, we only scored 14 points. Of course, against Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you have to score more than 14 and seven points, regardless mm-hmm. if it was in a playoff setting or in a big game regular season setting. Because if you only score 14 and seven points, you're really not going to win a lot of games unless you really have an elite defense. No, yeah, I, I think I think that what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And something that I found really interesting was as I was looking at Miami's like seasonal stats because yeah, I, I hear what you're saying about the run game. And I thought that Miami, statistically speaking, was going to be bad at running the ball because I didn't remember them doing that a ton against us. And I went and saw that, you know, yards per game, y'all were among one of the top leagues in the NFL. But yeah, to your point, it does seem like it, it while it's going good, it just stops. It just ceases to exist. Yeah. 
And it's it is it is a very odd thing. And you know, Tua, I think, is one of those there are very few quarterbacks in this league that can single-handedly win you a game. There is Pat Mahomes and there's Pat Mahomes, if we're being honest about it, you know? And Pretty much. Beyond, beyond Pat, everyone else benefits from a running game. You know, Lamar Jackson had such a great season, but also Lamar Jackson, besides himself, also had a great rushing attack with his, you know, with other running backs. Josh Allen's one of the few, but you even saw in the playoffs where everything got pushed onto Josh Allen's shoulders and then they didn't end up winning that game. And so I think that the run game just goes so unnoticed. And yeah, I was just, that was very perplexing to see that y'all ranked so high as far as yards, but. And still can't win nothing. (laughs) Well, and it seems like y'all don't have a very memorable run game, if that makes sense. You know, like I I was looking and I was amazed at, I think y'all are third in the league in yards per game rushing. I couldn't tell you anything about your rush game. Like, it's just, it's just very odd to me. So, um, no, I'm glad that you touched, touched on that a little bit. Uh, so I guess for the season, what was the worst moment? Was it the playoff loss or was it the, uh, or or was it something else? It was not winning up against one of these big playoff teams. Cause I'm not saying Dallas, the win against Dallas was this big, game that um that we won that was like oh yeah we're a contender no in order in order to be a contender in this league you have to beat Patrick Mahomes and we're 0 for 2 this past season in the regular season Mm -hmm. and in the playoffs whether calls didn't go our way or not you we still we still didn't win yeah done and done no, plain and simple. I like it. See, that's a no excuses type of thing. See, they should have had you in there, a head coach. Who knows? Things things might be a little bit different. I don't know about that. Because listen, most most <laughs> officers would not would not like me as the head coach. I'm gonna tell you that right now. They'd be like, "Ah, oh, Richie actually makes us like hold ourselves accountable." Yeah, no shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's that's great. So. Kind of moving into off-season moves, I know that a big name that uh, uh, y'all are looking at right now that's on the team currently that you probably don't want to leave is going to be Christian Wilkins. So do y'all franchise tag him? Do you extend him? What, what's what's the deal going on over there? So I've heard different reports that Anthony Weaver, which is our new um, defensive coordinator, wants him to say. But, um, of course, NFL is a business, so you have to make a business decision first. So my thing is, if they want to resign him, I think they're going to tag him first, whether it's the franchise tag or the non-exclusive tag. Um, I think they'll do that and possibly trade him after tagging him. So they can possibly, ret- possibly get some back in return for him. Or... Um, they could just resign him for the number that both of them, both of them can like meet meet together. So <laughs> I do want I do want Wilkins to say because he's been a very vocal point of our defense. Um, he did play his ass off this whole season when under under one um, year contract. So yeah, hopefully we keep him. If not, if they can get back on uh, something from return, hopefully they can tag him and trade him afterwards. Yeah, definitely. And kind of on a similar note, um, I I know that Jalen Phillips got injured and I believe he has one more year left on that contract. 
is it worth extending him early for a cheaper amount and taking that chance on him? Or do you think the uh, y'all should let him see how he does as far as recovering this year, knowing that there's a possibility that if he does recover really well, you're going to have to pay a really hefty price. Right, right, right. Uh, that's a difficult question. Um, so in my eyes, I think we should wait due to the fact that he did suffer a really bad injury against the Jets, mm-hmm. the Achilles tendon. So mm-hmm. I think we should wait until after, um, once he finishes rehab with this injury to see how he plays his upcoming season and see where his recovery ends up. Because I don't want to, even though he's a great player, don't get me wrong, I just don't want us to pay him and then he's not the same player that he was before he got ended up getting hurt because he was playing lights out before he got hurt. So, oh, yeah, yeah. no, complete animal before he got hurt. And luckily, uh, nowadays, the procedures that they go through and the recovery process that they go through is so much better, even with Achilles. I know that ACLs for probably about the past 15 to 20 years has gotten significantly better. But even in the past 10, Achilles has become a much more common thing for guys in all sports to bounce back from. So uh, hopefully he does. And hopefully it's quick enough for y'all to still maybe get him cheaper than if he plays a full season and balls out. So, yeah. Um, But besides him, I mean, is there anyone else in free agency that y'all are looking at? Um, I know that y'all currently have three offensive linemen that you need to resign. But uh, aside from them, can you speak to them or any other free agents that maybe the fan base wants? Um, So everybody keeps saying we need a healthy offensive line, which I do agree. But also that goes back to my previous answer before. It's like, Yes, we do need offense, a uh, health offense line, but yeah, uh, the quarterback and the coach need to play a whole lot better for us to move into that right direction. So I heard about Armstead possibly returning because um, he was contemplating on retirement. So I'm kind of conflicted on that particular decision due to the fact that Armstead hasn't been healthy since we signed him to that big contract because um, he always missed at least I would say six to seven games a season because he, he can never stay healthy. So I think we should try to resign Connor Williams, what we got from y'all, um, <laughs> at, at center because he's been very good at center, even though that center was not his actual position, it was actually guard. So, um, and he's been a very surprising outside of the bad snaps, I must say, he did have some really bad snaps in the regular season, especially the one against the Chiefs that really caused caused us to come back in Germany, that game overseas. But he's been good overall, so hopefully we can get a chance to resign him. If not, he'll probably end up leaving. So we then we have to reshuffle our offensive line yet again. So we'll see. No, I think I think Connor Williams did excellent for y'all overall, given the circumstances. And I mean, as someone who has watched Connor Williams block several times before, I, I would say he honestly looked better and more comfortable at center. Other than to your point, yeah, there being some some snap miscues. But uh, as far as the actual blocking assignment, he seems he seems right at home at center. So it's it's good to see him expanding into that role. I hope that y'all get to keep him because if not, I'm totally cool with him coming back to Dallas. Because <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, we uh, so a couple more free agency questions. I know I keep bombarding you with uh, with these, but I mean, there's just so many 
different things that I think that y'all have to figure out this offseason. You know, just a lot of people who need to be re-signed and a lot of people who also next year need to be re-signed. And I'm looking at Tua. And I know that once it comes time for him to re-sign, he's going to command big money. And that's not – the difficult thing is, is any, you know, fringe top 10 quarterback is going to command great money. Uh, so do you think Tua has anything to prove before that contract signing? Um, do you think that he should get top-tier quarterback money? You just kind of take me through your thoughts on that. Okay, so I already know because – I've said it on Twitter. Well, I haven't said anything Dolphins made in Twitter in weeks. So most people are not going to like what I'm going to say, but mm-hmm. I don't care. Um, I don't think he deserves that type of money due to the fact that he hasn't shown me that he can play against high-quality competition in the regular season and the playoffs. I The stats of top five offense, I, I get that. I get that. Um, it's just he hasn't shown me anything in regards to the top teams because yes, because everybody keeps saying about oh he can't play in the cold weather and stuff like that. I mean he can, but against the Chiefs in the playoffs, seven points is not going to get it done until he can sh- until he can show me that he can beat the playoff teams and not whoop on these really rebuilding teams. Then we can. Talk, talk numbers, but as of right now, I don't think he deserves that type of money. No, let him play out that final year, see what he's working with. It's upcoming season. If it's not, if if the same shit happens like last year, let him go. I I'm, I know I'm in the minority of this. I don't care. But and plus, I've been getting I've been giving tools some slight the last couple of years due to the the situation that he's just going through. But the first couple of years, I was like, no, he's completely overhyped and some of that from Bama because I did say he was overhyped due to the fact that because he came from Bama when he had that high part offense with um, Devontae Smith, Waddle, um, Cooper, mm-hmm. all those elite receivers, running backs, and offensive line. And then as soon as he got hurt from Bama, I, in my eyes at the time, I say don't draft him because – that particular reason um but the last few the last few years i gave him the benefit of the doubt because you finally have a head coach that finally giving him a chance to like thrive but me personally i don't think he deserves that type of money right now i'd say let him play out the final year and if he performs in the big occasions and hopefully we make the playoffs again and win a playoff game then we can work with something but as of right now no in my eyes, he does not deserve that money. Whether he whether he thinks he does, in my opinion, I don't think he does. Not See, right now. And that's and that's the thing that's so difficult is I think that quarterbacks overall have such a, a strangle on the market as far as you know people getting their money and stuff. Because I mean, there are there is a chunk of quarterbacks. They're all around that same you know uh, Tua your. Dak, Kirk Cousins, your, you know, I could, I could list probably a good six to seven quarterbacks that are all kind of in that area that you can make arguments for who's better, who's not, you know, they, some have this, some have that, whatever, but it's those guys who end up commanding the most money because, you know, opportunity strikes. I mean, I don't blame them. I'm, I'm all about, you know, Hey, if you're a brother, go get paid. But it's, it's frustrating because, you know, again, like we were talking about with running backs, that's, 
that is a very underappreciated position nowadays, a very underpaid position nowadays. And I think that a lot of those quarterbacks would benefit from maybe taking a little less money, going the Tom Brady route and taking less money. So then that way you can put more money towards the rest of the team and build an actual winning franchise versus again, there's only one Patrick Mahomes and he is the only guy who can single-handedly get it done time and time again. And that's just probably how it's going to be until Someone replaces Pat. And uh, so, yeah, I, I do I, – I'm, I'm with you. I hear what you're saying. I don't know enough about the money that he's asking for, and I didn't pay close enough attention to uh, their season this past year because I'm uh, you know, more of an NFC guy. Uh, but I, I definitely hear what you're saying, and I can kind of relate that to other quarterbacks that I know of in the league. Um, so shifting gears a little bit – um, and moving on from the free agency talks, I do know that y'all recently picked up a new defensive coordinator in Anthony Weaver. Uh, what is the outlook on him? What does he bring to the table that you think Fangio didn't? So I think he's a people's person due to the fact that he does coach from the sidelines and not from the booth. That's what Fangio did. He was coaching from the booth instead of mm-hmm. communicating with the players on the sidelines. I think that's the difference between Weaver and Fangio. Fangio never got the chance to, like, communicate with, for example, Jalen Ramsey because there was a big commotion going on about him not placing Ramsey on the top-tier receivers. Just like the game against y'all, against Dallas, like, mm-hmm. CeeDee Lamb was really killing us, but he had our one of our backup corners on CD and he was – eating them alive. Mm-hmm. But when Ramsey got on CD for a couple of series, CD couldn't do really, really do much. So it's just not communicating with the players is the difference between Weaver and Fangio. And of course, um, Weaver is going to be on mostly on the sidelines, communicating with his defensive players to get their input on where players need to be on each down. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so what I guess, what is the overall consensus of the fan base as far as Fangio leaving is the is the fan base, you know, happy about it, sad about it? Have you heard mixed reviews? What's going on? They're, they're happy that Fangio, okay. because, of course, I haven't really been tweeting about Dolphins of late because I just don't want to get all today. It's basketball season. I understand where, you know, it's, again, it's, it's, not, it's not just segment. it's not just that, Jay. It's just that fans on Twitter are just. Dolphins fans on Twitter just going after each other this this type of year too. I just I just don't want to like deal with that right now because I'm right. very passionate. I'm very passionate fan, as you can see on Twitter. Just that you've been following me for years. It's just I just don't want to deal with that because I've been a lot of battle scars. Like I, sometimes I have my expectations up on this team, and then once the season starts, the same the same stuff happens. It's like. Mm-hmm get get a lot of wins and then nothing to show for it. It's like, no, I just prefer not to even talk about it on Twitter or anything like that. Just let them let let them have it. Yeah. Just, just, just let them have it. Something you mentioned battle scar, something that Jazz and I mentioned um in our interview was how in the Green Bay game for us, it was within the first five minutes I knew we were going to lose that game. And so, I mean, 
I don't know enough about your team, but it did right. feel like y'all came out flat during that playoff game. Did, is it kind of the same thing where you felt in the first few minutes of like, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel like it's going to go our way. The thing, the, thing, the thing is, Jay, is that we was in the game. Our defense kept us relatively in the game, just like I was referring to a while ago. It's like, you against my homes, whether it's home or on the road, you still can't score seven points and expect right. to beat him in a playoff setting. That, but and Fangio really, ha- our defense was pretty good, holding Mahomes mm-hmm. to only, I would say twenty, well twenty points of offense. That's relatively decent compared to what other teams have done. It's just our offense didn't step up at all. It's like you can't score seven points and expect to win in a playoff series. Plain and simple. Oh, yeah, no, a thousand percent. And honestly, I think y'all's defense probably could have even held them to a lower score if it wasn't for them constantly being on the field. Um, you know, it's, that's, that's another well, reason, because a lot of fans, because a lot of fans on Twitter saying that, oh, um, our defense have a lot of injuries. And that's the reason why we had this class. I'm like, no, that's not that's not true. No, they're My tired. Opinion, <laughs> they're tired of being on the field because our offense keep going three and out. It's either a three and out or a turnover. Or mm-hmm. it's like it's it's either or. It's like we can't even get a sustainable drive going. It's like if it's not a three and out, it's a either a fumble by a running back, a receiver, or an interception by tool. So it, yeah, yeah, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, I I hear you. Well, I'll I'll quit torturing you with questions about the playoff stuff. Um, I have just two more questions, and they're they're more fan related. Again, just one of the things that we're really trying to build here on uh, Fourth Down Fiasco is a community of fans who just love ball. We love talking about our teams and everything. Um, And so, I guess overall outlook: what does success look like this upcoming season? That'll be one, and then I, I, I got a spicy little sum sum for you afterwards. Okay, so in my opinion, I think in order for us to have any kind of success going on to 2024, 2025, I think McDaniel needs to grow up and stop being scared. When the run game is going, stick with it until teams stop it. No, I'm not saying run every single down, no. But, but if they the can't stop game, it. it well, true, true. If they can't <laughs> stop it. Keep keep calling it, but I think McDaniel's need to grow up, and because everybody keeps using excuses for McDaniel, which I find that bullshit in my eyes, due to the fact that he's been in the league for twenty plus years. So I don't I don't care for that. Oh, he's still learning all that other BS crap. No, he needs to grow up, have play call better plays, have um make better adjustments. And just stick to the run when it's there. It's like don't don't abandon it when you then you force into it to throw like I said 35, 40 times and expect expect to win because that's what defense going to expect every single game. It's like when the run game is going and then when McDaniel stop it, stop calling the run game, then defenses know that they're going to start they're going to start throwing the ball like. 20, 25 times, and then they, there you go. It's like defense knows what's coming. Just like the Kansas City game, Kansas City is not known to be one of the best run-stopping teams. We was running on them, but mm-hmm. of course, in under zero-degree weather, he had to throw the ball over 25, 30 times. Yeah, that, and it's like that's the weather that you do run the ball in. Exactly. 
Well, I mean, that's that's what happened over there uh, whenever Baltimore played Kansas City. You know, they had like three runs in a row to start off to start off the game and then they just completely abandoned it. And they ran, I think, think uh, Danny ran the stat. It was like eight or nine times total for the entire game. And it's like, no, the thing that they're good at is stopping the pass. You should be running up, you know, running up the gut and stuff because they can't stop it. Right, right. So last question for you. Normally we uh, we leave people by asking them who in your team's past would you have liked to have seen play? But I actually saw something really interesting the other day that I wanted to ask you about instead. Okay. So I didn't realize how crazy y'all's home field advantage is at least during the, the warmer months and that it's a it's a 35 degree difference between the sidelines and because of how the sun points right the, the shade and then the non-shade yeah dude that is crazy whoever built that stadium and thought of that was a genius no yeah i was just reading about how um shoot i forgot which team y'all were playing but they were talking about how it their side of the sidelines registered at 127 degrees buffalo Ooh, dude, that's that that is diabolical. <laughs> yep. As soon as you said that, I already know what team it was. Yep. Dude, that's crazy. And then yeah, y'all are chilling and it's like I'm 90 on your side. I mean, yeah, it's a humid 90. I mean, Florida 90 don't play. I've yeah. I've been to Florida many a times, but it's not 127. <laughs> no. Well, cool. Richie, is there anything you want to plug as far as, you know, your social media or anything else before we head out? Sure. So my Twitter is at RichDolph11 on Twitter. And then if y'all want to follow me on IG, it's Richie underscore Hawk 11. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, if, if uh, those of y'all listening want to want to give Richie a follow, uh, he does talk a lot about uh, Mavs as well. So if you're a basketball person, it's a vibe. Uh, but yeah, thank you for your time, Richie. And thank you for everyone who listened to this uh, episode of Fourth Down Fiasco and our off-season segment, the Fan Base Fiasco. We appreciate y'all. Make sure that you follow us on uh, social media as well. Whenever you're looking up Richie, you can uh, look us up at Fourth Down underscore pod on Twitter and Fourth Down Fiasco on TikTok and and Instagram. Thanks so much, y'all. Well, I like school, and I like football, and I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel